Hi, this is Maureen. We have a rare bonus episode for you. Well, we recorded this when we recorded our last episode, episode 116, The Montreal Massacre. We didn't have room for it, but we felt it was relevant enough that you guys ought to hear it. We discussed Maine's first murder of 2022, the 2021 murder statistics for the state, and some other related stuff that we think you'll enjoy. Since we recorded this January 15th, I also have a brief update at the end on the murder of Eva Cox. So here you go. The 16 counties in our state are Cumberland and Franklin. The Scatterquist and Somerset of Rooster and Muscogan. Stadhawk and Kennebec, Lincoln, Oxford, and This was going to start as just a mini, but then it got updated-ish. There's not a ton of information available given the state of journalism these days, but it's still worth noting that Maine has had its first reported murder of 2022. And of course, the odds being what they are, it's apparently Mm -hmm. a domestic. Of course it is. Domestic murder. Eva Cox, 58, was found dead in the trunk of a car at 69 Jim's Head Road in Lubeck, Maine last week. Her boyfriend, apparently boyfriend, Paul DeForest, 65, was arrested in Warrentown, Virginia, some 830 miles south, on Tuesday, January 11th, the same day her body was found. My guess was he may have known people in Virginia because he was found in a house, but he was taken the Interstate 95 to the Southern State's escape route that so many criminals do after they do something in Maine because it's the only highway out of the state and interstate 95 goes all the way down through Florida and you can get to a lot of places that are warmer than here. He's being held in Virginia on fugitive charges until he can be extradited to Maine where he's expected to be charged with murder. Local police were first called to the home which Cox owned on Monday, January 10th, for a report of an altercation, though little information is available Mm -hmm. about the nature of it or who called. According to the news release from state police, and it's amazing how many, I want to say, quote-unquote journalists in Maine just cut and pasted this news release and then put their byline on it, but I found the actual news release to use. When deputies arrived, and this would be Washington County deputies, they found evidence outside that something suspicious had occurred and called the state police major crimes unit to investigate. Now, again, it didn't say what, but I would say if they're going to call state police major crimes, it was probably blood yeah or something like that they got a search warrant looked around the house that day that was monday january 10th and eventually on tuesday after the search was expanded to include the main marine patrol because this property was right on the water a main warden service and sniffer dogs mm. they found cox's body inside the trunk Aww. of a car parked Aww. near the house i don't how, know how close to the house the property was two acres so i'm not sure where that car was on the property Because if I were a cop and looking for this missing person and there was a car sitting there, one of the first things I do if she wasn't in the house is pop that trunk. But Uh um, anyway, they tracked DeForest down to a house in Virginia. They didn't say how. And quote, after a brief negotiation with local police over the phone, Uh I guess local police arrived and were outside. DeForest surrendered without incident police said. Eva Cox had recently moved back to Lubeck, where I think she's originally from. No story really says that, but they imply it, and her family seems to live there. And she's owned that land since 2009, but I think the house was recently built. But she recently moved back there from Hancock, another down east town that's in Hancock County, you know, a little farther down the coast, with the intention of opening a bed and breakfast, her friends said. 
Her friend Patty Davis told WVII TV in Bangor, she is a wonderful, wonderful girl. I love her just like a sister. Davis and Cox lived across from one another in Hancock for nine years. Quote, we did our gardens together, mowed the lawns together, and sat on the decks together, Davis said. Before moving back to Lubeck, Cox had been working as an online grocer for Walmart. Quote, I know she was a hard worker. She didn't do anything slow. She was always going, 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 said Lorena King, another friend. Her friends and neighbors said she loved animals and always had beautiful flowers blossoming from her deck, as well as a hearty hello to anyone who was passing by. Quote, she had a bunch of energy. Every time you turned, she was doing something, planting, helping her friends or working, said Brenda Alley, another friend. Eva's brother, Peter Case, told WCSH-TV that he'd only met DeForest once, and that was about a week before his sister's death. Quote, matter of fact, I just met him a week or so ago. Went down to the store, and Eva, <laughs> sorry, sorry, and Eva introduced me to him, and he just kept right on going, walking, Case said. I saw that interview. When I it saw that yeah. too, yeah. Case said the news of Cox's death came as a shock to the family, quote, they didn't realize that he was that kind of man that would do something mm, like that. Well. There's really no indication of how long they had been going out or anything. Her maiden name was Case. Her last name was Cox. So she'd apparently been married before. I spent a little time snooping around the internet looking for anything about him or about her. I don't know if the reporters who talked to the friends and family just didn't ask or if people didn't want to say, but nobody asked, like, was she going out with him when she lived in Hancock? There you know, wasn't no, much information at like, all. If I were talking to those friends of hers, I would have said, did you know this guy? What was he like? Was she going out with him when she was living in Hancock? Blah, blah, blah. But yeah. um, no information at all on that. As I said, Eva Cox owned the land on Jim's Head Road since 2009, but it looks like she recently built the house there. If you look, can I just break in yeah. to say I thought that was a really weird name, Jim's Head. I mean, I guess it's a headland, maybe. But do you Jim. want me to elaborate on it? Yes. Is you know the coast of Maine is full of large and small peninsulas, yes. and this is a peninsula with a bunch of little knobs on it and these knobs are heads oh yes and that okay. is jim's the head head i wonder who jim is well maybe that's a I project know. for okay. you anyway it looks on. like she recently built the house there the house not only yes, looks new but if you look up 69 jim's head road lubeck maine a lot of the descriptions like on redfin or stuff is that it's a two acre lot south of town and it's on a cove called bailey's mistake Lubeck mm-hmm. itself is a town of about 1,300 in Washington County, which is way down east. In fact, it has the easternmost point in the U.S., West Quaddy Head, where there's a nice lighthouse I've been to many times. The red and white stripe. With the red and white stripes. East Quaddy Head, by the way, is in Canada on Campobello Island, which you get to over a short bridge from Lubeck. I've stayed in Lubeck several times, and it's a nice little town, and I love visiting there and wouldn't even mind living there. But Washington County is one of Maine's poorest mm. and has been plagued by drug issues. Of the seven murders in the county since the beginning of 2020, several are drug-related. And also, local media has made a fairly big deal about those seven murders in two years. Overall, in Maine, there have been 40 murders, or alleged, since none of them have gone to trial because of the pandemic, since the beginning of 2020, not counting Cox's. There were 22 in 2020 and 18 in Maine in 2021. 
So seven out of 40, you do the math. That's a lot for one <laughs> county when there are 16 counties in our state. Uh, a lot of it is drug related. Like one of the domestics last year in Perry, which is in Washington County, where a woman actually killed the guy, allegedly, was in a dispute over their drugs. They f- were fighting over the drugs, apparently. And oh, she wow. killed Although there's always more to it than that. And of the 18 2021 murders, none of which have been set for trial because of the court slowdown from the pandemic, four were domestic partner murders, including the one I just mentioned. The rest were traditional men killing women. A startling five were children under the age of four. Of them, three fathers have been charged, all deaths related to abuse. One mother related to abuse, another mother whose child died of opioid overdose, Aww. and they're blaming her because the kid, three-year-old, got a hold of the opioid. The children killed allegedly by their fathers were six weeks old, two months old, and six months old. The two others were both three years old, the ones allegedly killed by their mothers. There were also three people <sighs> killed by tenants who they rented property to. Mm. One couple and then another guy. Uh, there was another couple who was allegedly killed by the man's adult son. There was one carnival worker allegedly killed by another carnival oh, worker. Wow. There was one obvious out-of-state drug-related thing where a New York 17-year-old was shot in Machias, which is Washington County's county seat, and the four guys arrested. Three are from Massachusetts and one is from New Hampshire, and it's been described in the papers as a rival gang thing. And it's like, why are you guys bringing your business up here? Just, you know, go do it somewhere else. Mm. Then there are a couple stabbings and shootings that haven't been explained yet. So that's the 18 murders from last Mm -hmm. year. They just released those stats. So as you can see, most of Maine's murders have to do with poverty and the crap that comes with it, as well as domestic abuse. On a related note, Maine's first domestic violence killer of 2020, two years ago, Frederick Allen Jr., 42 of Newport, Maine, was sentenced a few weeks ago. I talked about Allen in a Maine mini- Sometime in 2020, sorry, I cannot find it, which episode it was now. In any case, he strangled his wife, Anilka, to death on January 9th, 2020. Her body, which was found in the bathroom of their house, showed signs of a beating. He had no injuries whatsoever. Uh. Anilka was 17 when she married Frederick, and they'd been married about 20 years. But she was getting ready to leave him. In fact, her stuff was in the car. when she was killed she'd also just gotten a college degree alan a few weeks ago was sentenced to 18 years all but 12 suspended and will likely serve around seven according to legal experts his defense was and we talked about this when i did that mini is that he had ptsd but as i talked about it at the time there were a lot of signs that he had been a violent domestic abuser who and she hadn't been taken seriously by people with her complaints <sighs> patricia mclean ex-wife of singer don mclean a domestic abuse survivor and an advocate for victims of domestic abuse and of strengthening laws that will start putting these guys in jail wrote a newspaper op-ed, and we talked about Patricia and Don McLean a couple episodes ago yes, when we, we talked did. about Taylor Swift. Yes. Um, but she wrote a newspaper op-ed just after Frederick Allen's sentencing, and I'm going to read a little of this. Everything you hear, even the kind of snarky things, are her. I will not interrupt with my comments till the okay. end. Okay, this is from Patricia McLean. The sentence handed down in Bangor on December 28th, as well as the media coverage Echo the playbook of domestic abusers. Minimize the abuse and turn it on to the victim. 
According to news reports, his post-traumatic stress disorder from military service was a factor in the obscenely short jail sentence. Another supposed factor was his being a first offender. First time his violence came to the attention of authorities, yes, but not a chance that this was his first criminal violence in the two-decade-long marriage. Domestic violence often goes unreported. As for the PTSD, why is this touted only in the case of mostly men who served in the military? A few days before Nilka's death, she reportedly, quote, broke the glass out of a framed family photo, then used a shard of glass to scratch her face out of the photo, unquote. If this is not a depiction of the stress and trauma in a soul-destroying marriage entered into as a 17-year-old, what is? And by the way, where are the VA benefits for the countless women veterans of the one-sided war of domestic violence? This war is carried out in what should be the safe zones of our bedrooms, kitchens, and bathrooms. The enemy is someone who purports to love us, and it is a war we do not sign up for. A daughter of the couple said that half an hour before her mother was discovered dead, her father had her mother in a headlock, and she saw in his eyes how, quote, he blacks out when he is pushed to the limit, unquote. Notice the word pushed. Domestic abusers are very good at making family members feel that they are triggering the abuse. The perpetrator blacking or zoning out is something domestic violence victims mention over and over again as signals to the real-life horror movies that ensue. To my mind, the state is just another way to get and keep control and evade responsibility. Alan was aware enough during this supposed blackout to tell his daughter to leave the scene so he could continue on his homicidal path. Media reports of this case are studded with quotes from his family members that mischaracterize domestic abuse and slur the victim, including, quote, the relationship was rocky and Uh he, he never laid a hand on her, but she hit him. Making the travesty of justice and this femicide even worse, it was pushed through by a troika of women. Justice Ann Murray had the power to impose a 30-year prison sentence for his manslaughter conviction. Time served awaiting trial and probable time off for good behavior net seven years for killing one's wife with one's bare hands. When Alan becomes a free man, he will still only be in his late 40s, so lots of dating time ahead of him. Uh Assistant Attorney General Lisa Brogue, according to news reports, said she is quote-unquote happy the case is resolved and respects the judge's decision. Caitlin Smith, Alan's defense attorney, actually stated, according to news reports, quote, it's a tragedy what happened with Anilka, but it's also a tragedy what happened with Fred, unquote. But the prize for the most disgusting statement in the whole saga, and maybe of 2021, goes to the killer himself. And to my mind, the statement alone should have given him the seven years of prison time. Alan told the court he didn't understand why his wife wanted to leave him. And wait for it, quote, I love her with all my heart, unquote. So that was most of the column that Patricia McLean wrote. And we discussed when I did my mini on this, some of those issues that obviously, whether he had PTSD or not, that doesn't mean he obviously knew what he was doing when he abused her. Shit, come on. So I'm not surprised, though, about him getting the lenient sentence. One thing is we we kowtow and fawn all over veterans. And I'm not saying PTSD isn't a very serious thing that should be treated and taken seriously, but I think domestic violence, that is when it's used as an excuse for that, that needs to be taken seriously too. And I think as much as we fawn all over veterans and quote unquote, thank them for their service, all this kind of shit, I don't think it should give them a free ticket to murder their wives. Exactly. 
okay, if you have a condition that's causing you to be violent, right. that doesn't excuse, that doesn't mitigate what you did. Right. I'm sorry. You can get help for, especially if you're a veteran. What right. if you're not a veteran? What if you're just somebody that came from some war-torn country and you have PTSD, but you didn't serve in the military, so you don't have that VA hospital? And, and also, it, it shouldn't all be up to you to get the treatment if you are, I think people need to be more aware of domestic violence and coercive control and the signs of it. Not only the people are, obviously the people who are committing it aren't going to, the victims are often in situations where they're stuck and aren't able to do something, but family members, people who surround them, like Laura Richards says, and as Patricia McLean says in this, I'm tired of hearing the quote, Rocky relationship. I know. I know. And That's we were bullshit. both, you hear this a lot. Oh, well, we oh, were both. Yeah, we, fu- yeah, we were both violent bullshit. with each other. They always say that. But he was, you know, I mean, and that like, bullshit, but. It's very frustrating. Also, for all the men and women in the armed forces and first responders and everybody who do have PTSD and are dealing with it, it does a disservice. It's just like when a murder is committed by somebody, say, with Asperger's or something else, too. That, yes, is an aspect of you as a human being, but it's not why you killed someone. That's true. You know, Okay, this is Maureen on January 26th again. Well, not a ton has happened since Paul DeForest was arrested January 12th in Warrington, Virginia. There's been no new information about the case release that I can find. DeForest was arraigned today on a charge of murder in Washington County Court in Machias. He appeared via video from the Washington County Jail at the hearing. DeForest is being held without bail. His lawyer, Steve Juskowicz, said that he will be requesting a harness hearing in the next few days after he's had a chance to review the arrest warrant. A harness hearing is called by the state, normally, to make a case as to why someone charged with murder shouldn't be allowed to get bail. When bail hasn't been set, some defense attorneys ask the state to have a harness hearing in order to get a feel for what kind of evidence the state has and also nail down whether there will be bail or not. Usually in these cases, bail is so high, the typical main murder defendant can't afford it anyway, so the defense has nothing to lose with asking the state to call the hearing. The state has to prove in a harness hearing that there is probable cause to believe a crime was committed, that the defendant is a substantial risk for flight, that he's a substantial risk to the community, and he's a substantial risk for committing new criminal conduct if placed on bail. The state can introduce testimony at the hearing to make its case, including live testimony, affidavits, reports, and other stuff like that. Other than that, there's no other information that I can find on the case, and it doesn't seem like anyone's doing much reporting on it. Eva Cox's obituary was published on January 19th. She was born in Lubeck and has a daughter and three grandchildren. She grew up as one of seven girls and three boys in a family, and she had worked at the Walmart in Ellsworth for the past 19 years. Her obit said that at Walmart, she received many certificates recognizing her for outstanding customer service, loyalty, and strong work ethic. Quote, her colleagues knew her as a kind soul who was always willing to help and provide a little extra motivation when needed. Eva was a dedicated mother first and foremost. She treasured her grandchildren and embraced every moment with them. She especially loved her role as nanny. She had an energetic personality and always made people around her laugh. She made friends everywhere she went and her customers at Walmart loved her as well. 
When we have more on this, Maine's first homicide of 2022, we'll update you. And keep an eye out for episode 117, which will drop on February 1st, if all goes as planned. Thanks for listening. Is something going on in your room? Yes. The cat is on my desk. (laughs) (laughs) Daisy. Daisy!